This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, March 6th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Yally. Here's today's headlines. Bird flu detection rattles poultry sector. Peterson joins fight for more E15 and record snows in Sierra Mountains. USDA's announcement Sunday that highly pathogenic avian influenza was discovered at a Tennessee broiler breeding flock rattled the poultry sector, but officials say farmers are better prepared now than during the devastating 2015 outbreak. Chad Gregory, president of United Egg Producers, said in a statement, clearly this is of great concern to egg farmers who recognize the seriousness of this finding and its potential impact on their flocks and on the egg industry. It's a critical reminder that this disease is still a significant risk and that egg farmers must be vigilant in maintaining strict biosecurity on their farms. Since the 2015 AI outbreak, U.S. egg farmers have made significant progress in biosecurity measures on their farms to protect their flocks. The Tennessee outbreak didn't directly affect egg-laying operations, but industry representatives know that bird flu can be devastating. The H5N2 and H5N8 strains of the virus carried by wild birds in the Mississippi and Pacific flyways spread through 15 states in 2015. Tens of millions of egg-laying hens and turkeys had to be euthanized. The new bird flu detection in a flock of 73,500 birds was a result of wild birds traveling the Mississippi Flyway. The industry is prepared, though, according to the National Chicken Council, Senior Vice President Ashley Peterson. She said the U.S. has the most robust monitoring and surveillance programs of the world, and until plans are in place and being executed at the federal and state level to control spreading among flocks and eliminate the virus completely. Meanwhile, international reaction could be vexing. The U.S. managed to keep much of its chicken, egg, and turkey exports flowing during the 2015 outbreak, but it wasn't easy. Some countries like Mexico and Canada agreed to place only regional bans. Other countries like South Korea and China erected blanket bans on all U.S. chicken, turkey, and eggs. It wasn't until July of 2016 that South Korea, which buys about $100 million poultry per year from the U.S., lifted its ban. The Chinese ban is still in place. Former USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack told reporters repeatedly last year that he and his staff spent a lot of time talking to their counterparts to try to prevent nationwide bans in the event of future bird flu outbreaks. NCC's Peterson said the group is working to prevent those bans. She said NCC is encouraging our members to maintain heightened biosecurity protocols. We will also be working with our government and trading partners to minimize any potential disruptions to our export markets. Minnesota lawmaker joins the fight for more E15 gasoline. The movement in the House to increase ethanol blending gained more steam late last week after Representative Colin Peterson announced he's throwing his weight behind a bill to lift the summertime ban on E-15 gasoline. Representatives Adrian Smith, a Republican of Nebraska, and Dave Lozback, a Democrat of Iowa, introduced the Consumer and Fuel Retailer Choice Act on Thursday, and they have already had seven other lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans, who have signed on in support. This bill is about reducing confusion for retailers and providing more fuel choices for consumers. 
According to Peterson, he's the top Democrat on the House Agriculture Committee. The bill has the support of Growth Energy, a major group representing ethanol producers. CEO Emily Score said the introduction of the Consumer and Fuel Retailer Choice Act is the first step toward eradicating an unnecessary EPA restriction that limits consumer choice at the pump during the peak time of year when Americans are on the road. House Ag Approps prepare for the year ahead. Any representative who has something to say about how the taxpayer's money is spent on the USDA and the FDA will have the chance to address appropriators in a public forum on Thursday. That's because it's Members' Day for the Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture, and all House members are welcome to speak up. House Appropriations Committee Chairman Rodney Freelinghusen announced his plans last month for 12 separate Members' Day hearings, one for each subcommittee on Thursday. It's agriculture's turn. The Appropriations Committee values the input and perspective of every member of Congress and the people they represent, Frillinghusen said in a statement. He continued, it's my goal to involve all members in the appropriation process from the outset. Every lawmaker who wants to testify will get a maximum of five minutes to speak and will be allowed to submit five pages of written testimony. Record snows in Sierra Mountains. Just how deep is the snowpack in the Sierra Nevada mountain range around California? Well, that's still unclear, but it's very deep, and it's definitely a record according to USDA meteorologists. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey said at an audio posting, the measurement tools are not long enough to reach the base of the snowpack, so we just have to guess an estimate at this point that we truly could have a record snowpack. Rain is usually much appreciated by drought-prone California farmers, but a strong snowpack assures that the state's farms and ranches will have a steady water supply throughout the spring and summer months as the snow gradually melts and keeps its reservoirs full. California may hand off the precipitation for the Pacific Northwest. USDA meteorologists are expecting a shift in the jet stream during March and April, pushing much of California's precipitation into the Pacific Northwest. After floods in San Jose and elsewhere, that's good news, according to USDA's Rippey. States like Washington, Oregon, and Idaho could use the precipitation, and California sad enough. Rippey said any more precipitation that falls in parts of California that have just been hammered could be more of a flood risk than drought relief at this point. Here's today's He Said It. He was an American. Now he's dead. That was broadcaster Charles Kuralt in a stunning CBS documentary in 1968, Hunger in America, which opened with a baby boy who was dying of starvation. A year later, President Richard Nixon convened the first White House conference on food, nutrition, and health. Philip Brasher reports in the latest installment of our new series, The Seven Things You Should Know Before You Write the Next Farm Bill. You can read Phil's report at www.agripulse.com. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, March 6th. Agripulse Daybreak is brought to you by McLeod, Watkinson & Miller, America's most experienced law firm in agricultural and derivatives law, and by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit agripulse.com. For Agripulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly. 